Hey everyone, Sean Tosh here, the mayor of Nertropolis, and I have a special guest with me today that I'm super excited to chat with. From Rocco's Modern Life to Reno 911, please welcome stand-up comedian, voice actor, and actor, Carlos Alasraki. Hello. Hey, Carlos. Good to see you. Nice to see you. Uh, thanks for making the time today. I know you have a busy schedule today. I see you're in your recording booth. Yeah, I got my, my door open into the garage. That way it's a little bit cooler. Yeah, for sure. The heat is on this summer, for sure. It's coming. <laughs> uh, well, first things first, congrats on your return as Deputy James Garcia on Reno 911 for Quibi. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's, that was a lot of fun. It was, we got it in just under the wire, too. Finished on February like 28th, and then a couple of weeks later, that's it. We're shutting down. So we got Yeah, y'all started this year, correct, to film? Yeah, February 8th through 28th or something like that. For sure. A very quick turnaround. Oh, yes. How long was this revival in the works? Um, you know, they've tried for a couple of years. They tried with Netflix. They tried to work out something between Comedy Central and Netflix and other platforms. And then they just weren't finding it uh, easy. And then Quibi came along and said, yeah, we'll give you this and give you that. And they said, great, short form. Let's do it on Quibi. So um, that's how it happened. But yeah, I think Quibi works best, actually. I was watching the episodes and each, you know, segment of each episode works perfectly for Quibi. Yeah, and they're very right short the and to the point. Yeah, right in and, their uh, format. You can just pop those little, uh, those, those calls in one after another and they just, it just works really well. Yeah, I love it. This, um, this new season is hilarious. I had to show my parents when it came back because we used to watch it back in the day and yeah. um, we missed it for sure. <laughs> yeah. It was a long time coming. So right now you're currently working on a SpongeBob spinoff. Is that correct? Yeah, Camp Coral and uh, playing a couple of different characters on there. And uh, I'm working, I got a session today with Tom Kenny, who's the director as well as SpongeBob. And it's just fun to be back with those guys because I work with them on Rocco and on, on SpongeBob. And um, yeah, I got, I got to stand like this up in this area. You'll be here about soon enough you talk like this. And then uh, a couple other characters, and it's really, really well done. It's kind of a hybrid for me. It's got a little bit of Camp Laszlo in it, SpongeBob in it, and uh, it's really well done. So how are you transitioning to working and in, in voice acting from home? You know, I got this little uh, hype mic system going on and a little pop screen, and I already had the whisper booth, but I added some, you know, some furniture pads on shower curtains. I closed this back door. I put some padding on this baby and you know it gets a little hot i have to get some circulation system in here i got a portable ac unit but then i can cover this with a blanket if i need to and i got engineers helping me out i do source connect i do zoom i blue jean you know uh all kinds of different programs that we run quick time files for backup all and it's working out great it's working out really well actually so you're a high-tech macgyver now it seems like well, if you count me running 300 feet of ethernet cable out from my modem to my garage is high tech. Uh, I didn't do it today. I would have just going strict Wi-Fi. So, so far, so good. And you kind of just fell into voice acting, if I'm correct. Um, you're doing stand-up and yeah. uh, you just got a call to submit some, some voiceover reels. Yeah, for Rocco's Modern Life. I was, in, uh, I was living in San Francisco, but doing a comedy club in Sacramento at the time. I made a push play record in a kitchen got invited to the audition and showed up at this uh, house in a garage in San Francisco. And it's kind of just trying different voices. I say, what about this voice? It kind of looks like this to me. 
They said, yeah, let's try that. And then, you know, they sent it off to Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon said, yeah, we made a pilot. And then we waited like uh, six months or seven months when it was being done. And then they said, yeah, it's going to go to series. And I was like, oh my gosh, unbelievable. Right place, right time. And that kind of pulled me right out from stand-up comedy. I still did it, but it transitioned me into voiceover work. Yeah, and Rocco just returned last year with the yes. Netflix movie. And so how did you find out that he was returning? Boy, because we did the first record in 2016, actually. So around 20, late 2015, we're at a restaurant with a uh, social media manager. And I saw uh, Doug Lawrence Tom, and Martin Olson and, and uh, Cosmo and Joe Murray coming in to meet for lunch. I'm like, what's going on here? There's too many Rocco people here for this not to be. And they, uh, you know, keep it under wraps. We're going to write a new Rocco thing. And I'm like, all right. You know, it's amazing. So I found out in 2015. We recorded in 2016 in November, 2017 Comic-Con, and then waited two years for it to be released 2019 on Netflix. So, so is there hopes for a series now with the movie out? Uh, you know, that there's always hope for that. I think Joe Murray right now is living in Belgium. Um, not that one couldn't direct a series from there, but that's always your hope, right? That Static Cling does so well and Nickelodeon wants to revisit. I heard Comedy Central was interested in revisiting with uh, Ren and Stimpy. It was something I yeah, remember. that was announced today. So I'm hoping that also brings revival to a lot of 90s cartoons from Nickelodeon and yeah, finding a get, Comedy Central. Yeah, I think they're just going to run the old ones, right? If, if I'm I actually, it's it. going to be a brand new um, series. They're, um, oh, really? Yeah, it's a brand new series. Um, hope Keeping the spirit along with the 90s edition, but it's brand new, actually. That's good, yeah, because that was that was really instrumental. And you know, I don't know if Chris Lucy is still still attached, but um, certainly from his mind and Billy West, and then Bob Camp, who was my former neighbor, taking over the show, it was just a really uh, iconoclastic show, and it really paved the way for Rocco, especially the first couple of seasons where we could get away with a lot of stuff because of Ren and Stimpy. You know, the stuff that they were doing was groundbreaking, and we just kind of went on their their tails, but. Those 90s cartoons, mm -hmm. yeah, people uh, revere them. And who knows, maybe there will be a car call for Rocco on Netflix or some other network. And I would love to play Rocco again, for sure. Because getting to play him instead of Kling was great. And the way they handled the new, uh, the new world and, you know, the character that made the big change, if nobody's seen it yet, I don't want to give it away, but it's been out there for a while. But there's, you know, they handle it gracefully and... That's what's cool about Rocco and his and his gang. You know, they'll they can go anywhere and pretty much adapt. Yeah, I was obsessed with that show as a kid. Me and my sister used to watch it. We loved it. Did you have a favorite cartoon character growing up? Um, even though he was nonverbal, I loved the Pink Panther because he was so cool. Uh, I love Popeye. I love. Oh, you know what? I said somebody because it was a one answer thing. It was Kimba the White Lion, mm -hmm. and I wasn't. I didn't even know what anime was, and I watched Speed Racer, but. There was something heroic about this Kim of the White Lion, and it really reminds me of fond memories of coming home from school and turning on the TV. So Kimba, because he was just so heroic. I had no idea that was translated or dubbed or anything. I just thought, oh, the lip flaps are a little off, but I still like it. Yeah, and as a kid, did you imitate these voices that you were watching these cartoons, or did that come oh, later? Oh, yeah. Hey, Bubba Louie, <laughs> me, quick drama drum. Oh, quick throw. Here comes the gunfighter. Yeah, all that stuff, and... Uh, Hey, boom, boom, Mr. Ranger, sir. I don't know, Yogi. I think it's kind of dangerous. We all did that. Don Messick and all those guys. And again, that trick never worked this time for sure. 
and I'm Commander McBrag. A long time ago, I was surrounded in the forest by wild creatures. So, and now Edward Everett Horton, Fractured Fairy Tales. In a castle a long time ago, there lived a king, and he had a son, but the son wasn't very nice. Come on, Dad, give me what I want. So he decided to build a pit and throw his son in the pit. You know, I just, I didn't know it, but I was born or bound to emulate and copy all these wonderful voices I was hearing on the screen. So yeah, I came home and just soaked it all up. Yeah, it seems to come natural to you. Um, you do a lot of campy and fun characters. I mm -hmm. think the one that stands out to me the most is Bane. And if you've done that a few times. So how did that happen? Uh, did you, how did you land that role? And how did you come up with that the voice all, for Bane? All courtesy of uh, Andrea Romano, because I was not really familiar with the comic book world per se. And I did not know that um, Bane was such an instrumental part, uh, instrumental part of the Batman lore, you know. He said, you know, he, we're going to go after the American Bane. That's where he's from. Uh, you know, he crawled out of that cave somewhere in Latin America, South America. And so, you know, my parents are from Argentina. And they said, you know, make him guttural, make him deep. We'll, we'll add some little effect on it. But it was like, right? When we met the first time, I broke the man. Today, I break the bat. You know, and so that was born from Andrea Romano's direction. And I was really lucky to be doing it. And I've done it a couple of times for a couple of different Batman ventures. So that's how it happened. Yeah, and it's a great voice. And you bring a lot of life to Bane. And we finally get some awesome um, animated version of him that we love. Yes. What else are you working on right now? What are some other projects um, that are works for you? The lovely Casa Grande is currently running on Nickelodeon. I play Carlos Casa Grande and oh, Sergio the Parrot. Oh my goodness. And uh, Vito Filipponio. Hey, you guys got any money? Um, it's a great show with uh, Bella Alvarez, Alex Casares, Roxana Ortega, Ruben Garfia, oh, Leah Gold, uh, Sunil. I always forget Sunil's last name. Uh, Somali as well. Uh, I want to say it's Somali, Somali, Montana. Why do I want to say it's Montana, Somali, Montana? But I'll look it up and, and shame on me. But we have a great cast. It's a fun show. It's on Nickelodeon. Maya and the Three working again with Jorge Gutierrez. That will come out fall 21 on Netflix. I've uh, been doing uh, some, you know, some scratch work for Monsters at Work. Uh, continuing to do my Billy Crystal stuff which is cool. I did uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, which was the game came out and I got, I got to play Mike Wazowski. Of course, Billy is the original, but um, I was lucky enough to do him in a game. Oh my gosh, we gotta get to the other level. What's going on, Sully? Come on. Um, uh, Atreze, which is a Filipino graphic novel, which is being recorded both with a Filipino cast and an American cast. I play Anton and a couple of other characters in that. Um, and then my movie, Witness Infection, which was self-financed and we shot it for 15 days. You can go to witnessinfection.com and check out our reviews, check out the film festivals that we've won. And we're in the middle of distribution deals. And uh, so I'm working on all those things, but uh, I'm pretty happy. It's, it's, it's been a good, done some good American Dad episodes, some Family Guy. I did a little quick episode of Duncanville so I've been busy. I've been in my booth and, and been pretty lucky. I mean, you're one of the best in the business. So everyone comes to you, you know, when they need some voice overworked. Um, yes. Is there a character that you always wanted to do that you didn't get to, to do for, um, for voiceover or something that kind of caught your attention that you didn't get to do? Oh, gosh, all kinds of characters, I suppose, right? 
you know, when you look at the big features uh, like Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, and of course Roger Craig Smith does the series. Um, you know, I got to play the first bug in a, in, in, a, in, a, in a Bug's Life. I'm lost! And I got to play Come Fly With Me, Gachinha in, um, in the uh, Pixar film about all the emotions and I always inside out. Um, um, I'm trying to think. You know, yeah, you know, I would have loved to have been uh, a solid or re- uh, uh, regular character on SpongeBob would have been fun. Like if Tommy, if Scooter could have been a regular character. Oh, SpongeBob, you ripped your pants. Oh, hey, I'm hanging out with Mr. Krabs today. If I could have taken that and done him on a regular basis, that would have been a dream of mine for sure. Mr. Weed, Mr. Iris, Mr. Weed, Peter, you're fired. I wish he could have lasted more than one season. So, you know, those two, wish I could have carried those on. How did you meet Tom Kenny? Because you kind of gave him his career he has today. Yeah, he admitted it. I met Tom Kenny in San Francisco when he was a stand-up comic and I was a stand-up comic and he was brilliant. He and Bobcat were friends and Dana Gould and all those guys. He was really great at stand-up, a great musician. And uh, I knew that he did characters in the act. And so when they were looking for a heifer, I said, oh, you know, you should check out Tom Kenny. And he said he did a voice of his nephew who was like, eh, laughed like that. And he came in with a heifer voice and, you know, the rest is history. So, uh, yeah, you know, if I, were, if I were a true Hollywood guy, I would go, you know, I discovered Tom Kenny. No, he, I mean, he was, he was gonna be discovered regardless. I just happened to know that he was available and, you know, it's kind of a nice, nice story. And during this pandemic now, are you watching a lot more TV and movies that you would usually do? Yeah, I'm soaking it up. I'm actually watching a lot of Quibi and I've, I've seen a lot of series. I just finished Die Hard. I've seen Agua Donkeys. I've seen Most Dangerous Game. I finished uh, Murder House. I've finished, uh, uh, what's the, oh, girl, oh, Fight Like a Girl. I've seen so many series on Quibi that I really like it. It's a great format for me. I love Dead Girls. I love Dead Girls 2. I love um, a wonderful show called Love on the Spectrum, which is in Sydney, Australia. Uh, I'm watching a show on Netflix about um, the uh, the, the, uh, woman who fixes up people in India and in America, fixing up Indian uh, people. Uh, I love, I love, 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 love uh, The Alienist because I was a huge Penny Dreadful fan. And those two shows just take me to a different time. So I love The Alienist, big fan of that show. And um, I really, Penny Penny Dreadful, I like the new series, not as much as the old series. Peaky Blinders finished. (laughs) So my wife and I watched Dateline. I love the German show called Dark about time travel and uh, it's wonderful. So yes, I'm watching as much as I can, but I cram it in at the end of the day when the kids are, are, are asleep. I never watch during the day. So, and I it watch seems sports. like you they, watched everything so far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I reckon I can recommend many, many shows, but, uh, I've been, yeah. Pandemic, we keep us inside watch movies at home. Uh, I watched part of Hamilton and I realized that I need to go to Wikipedia and learn the history and also turn the subtitles on because it's brilliant and I'm missing a lot of it. So I want to go back and start from the beginning and, uh, and not just appreciate King George's performance, uh, but all the stuff that L- uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda put together, I think is brilliant. It's just like, I'm old, I can't keep up with the lyrics. You're talking too fast. Why does it have to be a rap? You know, so, uh, well, you know, we're loving Disney Plus. You know, we'll probably pay the money for Mulan because that's gonna be exciting. My kids love it. We watch stuff together. Um, yeah, catching up, man, catching up. Going back to where we started with Reno 911, how did that come about originally back in the day? 
Back in the day, 2001, I just finished a movie called I Downloaded a Ghost. You can find it somewhere with uh, Ellen Page. I played her ghost looking to escape purgatory to get to the next world. And she needed to win a haunted house contest and convince her parents that she is a tomboy and she likes making creatures in her garage. And that was our deal. And I came home after that. And in that December, there was an audition for Ben, Tom and Carrie. I had not known them from the state, which was a, a blessing because I would have been nervous. And I went in a room and I did my three characters and they said, great, we're going to hire you for this sketch group. You know, I went to a studio, I went to network, we did a table read, Cedric, Nisi, uh, Carrie, Ben and Tom and uh, Amy Brissett was there. It was not Wendy yet. They passed on the table read. They said, we have a week to think of something. We're going to make fun of cops, go home and think about a character. So I thought about uptight, Barney Five, self-loathing. I had a I had a roommate in college named Dan Garcia. Oh, doggone, Carlos. Uh, Mexican-American, but listened to country music. Married an Irish woman. And I thought, let me belie his Latino roots and make him kind of an uptight white guy, play by the rules kind of guy that, you know, not too certain about other cultures, but we'll see what comes of him. And uh, we just started riffing in a soundstage with the SNL director, Beth McCarthy. We shot a pilot in San Pedro, California in 2001 presented it to, uh, to Fox. They passed on it. And about a year and a half later, Ben, Tom, and Kerry went to Tom Sharp at Comedy Central. And he says, what do you got? We got this. Gave him the, the pilot and said, let's do it. And so we reshot the pilot. And then they picked it up and went to series in 2003. Were you all surprised at how popular it got really quick and also spawned a movie? Um, not really, because when we were doing it, the original pilot, the, the crew was laughing. The gaffers were laughing. The electricians were laughing. The craft service was laughing. The ADs, the 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 uh, in, the interns or whatever, the uh, they were all laughing, and we knew we had something good. So, yeah, when it went to a movie so quickly, that was surprising because it was like a three movie deal too. Hoping like, oh gosh, I hope this movie does great. And we 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 went up against uh, Hog Wild with William Macy, John Travolta, <laughs> yeah. I think Steve Buscemi, and uh, Ray Liotta, and and that movie. You know, it was just a, it wasn't the opening we hoped for. And so the three, three movie deal never happened. But people love Reno 911 Miami. They still quote it, you know. We got to wear, be in Miami. We got to wear the blue and white. We got to drive in Mustang cars, you know, um, dive off a boat in Long Beach or whatever and act with Paul Rudd. And, you know, it was, it was great. It was a great experience. Seems like it was a vacation for y'all. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It was awesome. Uh, during I, this pandemic right over, now, go ahead. Go ahead. On a plane ride over to Miami, and we were going to make a move. Was it? I think it was the plane ride to, or was the plane ride from? I think it was a plane ride to Miami. I said, this woman gets on a plane with a huge bodyguard, and the flight attendant said, Sir, can you get up from your seat so we can let this person in? I'm like, Well, it's first class. Normally they're just, okay, whatever. Bodyguard goes back to coach, sits, takes up one whole section, and she covers herself. I say hello. And during the flight, people are like, can you get her autograph? I'm like, what do you, what, she's, what, like, what's going on? And I, like, and somebody said, you're, that's Beyonce. You're sitting next to Beyonce. And I talked to her a little bit. She, when we landed, I said, listen, these people want me to bug you, but I just said that you were sleeping. She's like, oh, thank you. Like, what are you doing? At that point, she was doing dream girls or something. And uh, nice conversation, nice mini conversation, nice person. And I had no idea I was sitting next to Beyonce for a five-hour flight. So that was pretty cool. That's a very cool story. That's a, that's a very rare moment. <laughs> yeah. 
And do you think, is Reno 91 going to come out with more episodes or do you know what's going on with that? Yeah, we did shoot more footage for which we uh, were uh, remunerated. So uh, that is the hope that more material that we did shoot will, will be in addition to the 12 that have, uh, 12 or so that have already aired. So they should be coming out with more. That's, that's what I understand. I don't have a definitive on that, but I'm pretty sure they will. And then well, hopefully, because we're all looking be, forward to it. Yeah, you always hope that would lead to a series. You know, again, like Netflix would say, let's pick it up again. Or Comedy Center would say, like Ren and Snippy, let's pick it up again. You never know, you know, you just show up and you, you stay in shape so you can fit in a uniform and see what happens, you know. I mean, I'm a little bit wider in the hair than I used to be, so I got to do, do some hair dye. Um, before I let you go, um, let's say if Rocco returned in 2020, what type of advice would he give us during the current pandemic to keep us busy and stay upbeat? Oh, you know, I know it's hard to wear a mask, but you can always talk with your eyes and... Think about it. I've got a pouch on my belly because I'm a marsupial. It's kind of like I have a pouch on my face. And really, you only have to wear it when you're buying groceries or going inside. So it's not so bad. And pass the time with your friends. Play fun games like spank the monkey or other fun things. Say hello to your neighbors at a distance. Have a picnic. Have play dates. Go out and sit in the shade. That was great, Carlos. I really appreciate it. This was a great interview. Thank um, you, Sean. And this was a lot of fun, actually, during this time. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I love all your stuff behind you and that you collect things. And I think it's wonderful. And, it, and then I'm lucky, you know, to be a part, like I said, of, to be a part of Rocco, to be a part of Reno, to be a part to, of Bain. Uh, I didn't know. And I miss cons. So this is like a, a con for me where I, I get to see people and ask, answer questions. And you realized uh, how much people love what you do. And here's a, a story I'll, I'll end on when I never understood per se, how people could get so excited about like maybe a voice that you did like, oh my God, you're Spyro the Dragon, you're the first Spyro. And I'm like, well, you know, it's just a game. Until one day, the only Sony Xbox game I know how to play or Xbox is Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2. And I knew uh, Vince Valenzuela was Francis in the first Left 4 Dead. But so then I started playing Left 4 Dead 2. So I'm fine. I love the game. I'm pretty good at it. And then I'm talking to Fred Tatashore, who I'm sure you know, uh, and Dee Bradley Baker. And we're just talking in the lobby of Salami Studios. And I'm like, oh, I'm not really good. I can only play, I can only play uh, Left 4 Dead 2. And they're like, Fred goes, you know, I play Boomer in that. And Dee goes, yeah, I play the spitter and, and the smoker. And I'm like, no way, no way. And I totally fanboyed out. Oh my God, you're a boomer. There's no way you're, you're not the spitter. Of course. And I, and I got it. I got it. I got now why people get so excited because you spend so much time with these characters that you want to know the person behind it. And so that made me understand like it's a big deal to people. It's a big deal that I know Fred Tatashore and Dee Bradley Baker who play the spitter and boomer in Left 4 Dead 2. You have no idea. So I get it. Yeah, and you've been in so many things, you know, you've, you've been a part of a lot of people's lives, especially mine. There's a lot of things that you've been part of and voiced, and it's a big list. Good. So it's always great to, you know, to talk to that person that, that's always been around for a long time. Well, good. I appreciate it. I really do. I'll let you get back to your voice recording. I know you got plenty more to do. They're working you to death. <laughs> Putting me in the hot box. <laughs> <laughs>